Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Shop Stool Podcast. I am Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks. Uh, I'm joined by some guy, George. Yep. Hey, Jordan. there we go. Jordan. Yep, there he is. How as you may, <laughs> you may have noticed that Robin is not doing the intro as per usual, and I'm making a meal of it. Um, this is a podcast designed for woodworkers and makers in general to get together, talk about stuff, and generally have a good time. Some kind of community spirit is advised. <laughs> That's good, man. You're doing well. Right. Let's go. I've got All right. Yeah. That, that, uh, that, that, that sounds good. Uh, so just briefly, uh, a quick announcement is that Robin isn't joining us because he is at the hospital or on his way there to have a baby. So he won't be joining us tonight. Um, so it's just up to me and Joey, and we're going to butcher it. It's really going to be nicely. a slaughterhouse. Yep. Yep. Um, just to clarify, uh, he will not be having a baby, baby himself, but he will be in the vicinity of the baby happening. Yeah. Thanks, Leroy. I was doing my absolute best. Right. So uh, what, are, what are we working on this week, I guess, is the first thing we usually do. So, uh, Joey, take it okay, away. Okay, sure. What have I been working on? Well, interestingly, I posted a video. I'm pretty sure I posted it early this week. This week's gone so quick for me, I can't actually work out which day is what. Uh, what, what was it called? The Wuhan Entertainment Center thingy, Bob, video. Um as soon as I pushed uh, upload or okay, whatever it is that you say, um, I got flagged by YouTube for uh, something. Got the a red bo- hmm. button on my video. Uh, I believe they didn't like the fact that I had the word hung in the title. Um, Do you think that's what it is, hung? Well, I think it was, and... Because when you put the tags in, I had like wall hung various ways through like 20 different tags. Yeah, right. Um, and it actually came up with a little note to say that I've been flagged. And if they, if I want to be, um, uh, what, what do I they call it? Uh, if, they, if I want it to be reviewed uh, straight away, then push this button and they will review it as soon as it gets the first thousand views or the, within seven days, whatever comes first, something like that. Um, and it was like reviewed and kind of green flagged within like two hours. So, Yeah, right. I've never had a flag video other than uh, copyright claim on music. But. Yeah, so I can only imagine it was because I used the word hung. Yeah, I mean, it's not like you're swearing all throughout it or anything. Like No, so I thought that was interesting. Um, so the other thing I did, I think it was this week, early this week, I pushed, turned on the sponsor video, uh, sponsor button on my YouTube channel, which is interesting. It's I guess it's kind of like Patreon, but um, I, I, I went ahead with it for a couple of reasons. One, that it's on YouTube and I don't have to deal with some other company. It's just, I've got everything there. Um, And two, what I really want is to try and have a little bit of extra cash around to give me a bit more time to actually make more videos because Mm. I realized that my video production is slacking off a bit. Um, 
And so I got some sponsors. So that was cool. Got a three, I think, this week. So that was cool. Mm. Um, and so actually what I'm going to do is pr- provide a, uh, a sponsors-only video once a month. And so I just uploaded my first one of those tonight. And it's really interesting. So usually when you upload a video, you kind of have this. There's always this, I wonder how many views this will get. I know exactly how many views this video is going to get. <laughs> Three. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, a weird, uh, it's a weird feeling to like put all this effort into a video and just to have a few views. Um, and I know like <laughs> it's a weird, it's just a weird thing. Um, yeah. I'm not sure I'll get used to it, but um, it's, I don't know if it's the same for you, but it's when I was doing the Patreon videos, like every time you upload a video, you go back and check it in a few hours and just make yeah. sure that it's, you know, it's traveling well and you yeah. get the first thousand views or whatever. And then, um, when it comes to these private videos and there's one view and there's only three people is that me looking at my own video or is that someone actually seeing it yeah so anyone listening out there who feels like giving me some money um push the sponsor button on my channel and you get to see sponsor only videos once a month and um so this video i've got a a small build and uh, a shop tour which i don't think i've ever done properly so cool um, that is on there right now. Um, so I had an interesting little thing happened. I went to measure up a job, which is something I don't usually do at this stage because I haven't been paid any money yet. But I quoted this job up off drawings and they said, great, everything looks good. My husband, the lady said, my husband wants to meet you too. Can you come one day next week? I said, sure. We worked out for Tuesday morning. I get there a little bit early and so I'm talking with the wife about this bookcase, this built-in bookcase. And so then the husband walks in and just kind of everything just kind of went a bit sideways. (laughs) Like (laughs) um, they kind of started having an argument about what they were actually getting made and what color everything was going to be and what it was going to look like. And I'm, I'm kind of like, didn't you guys like one talk about this and two look at the the drawings that you sent me and that I sent you as well. Um, Suddenly we're on page four and I'm on page one. So um, yeah, I was like, okay, I've got the measurements. You guys argue amongst yourselves and call me. Um, Needless to say, I haven't got any contact information back from them. You know, I haven't heard back. So that's um, yeah. awkward to be in. But. Well, yeah, it was just a really strange. I was kind of like, well, I thought we were like just about to press go on this. Yeah. And now, now you're like not even wondering if you want to build something. And she's yes. And he's like, oh, I don't know if I even want something there. <laughs> like, every time someone asks me who my main clients are, I always say wives. Yeah. It's always the wife that does all the decision making. Interestingly enough, like probably you've gone through building a website, but like the guys that built my website were like, who are your target market? Yeah. Um, And I've known this because I've had to work it out before and I I notice it. My target market are young parents who are renovating their house for the first time. Yeah, right. Generally 
who I, I make furniture for is um, they've just got some money from the bank. They've, you know, added onto the house or renovated the house. They've usually got at least one under five-year-old kid. And um, yeah, it's really interesting that I would say 75% of my clients fit into that category. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, with like my advertising and all that sort of stuff, I always select <clears throat> certain demographics, which are generally homeowners or, uh, investing owners and all that sort of stuff. But I've never really thought about that category of young couples getting into the home market as mm. being a good place to focus on. So maybe I should reassess because I have you just would- redone my website. Generally, that you wouldn't think that would be a good um, market, but then the people who are able to get mortgages and to do work on their house, they generally want often, probably good for you, some kind of dining suite. Yeah. Well, I've just had a walk-in customer who are a young couple, like only my age, I'd say. Actually, I know it is because their email address signs off with the same birth year as mine. So, um, But yeah, they have just about to finish building the first house and they can just a walk-in customer and they've come in wanting uh, the dining table, a bench seat for it, two stools for the end. Yeah, cool. uh, A coffee table after this build and something else. What was it? (laughs) But, you know, like a good good customer to have because there's a lot of stuff they want done. And they're a a young first home buyer. So That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. The other thing that happened this week, which is not so much fun, is that I believe that my air compressor has died, uh, which is not cool. Uh, yeah, something has gone kaput. Um, is it old belt drive or direct drive? It's a or? belt drive. Um, my father-in-law has taken it apart. He's a electrical man. Right. Um, He's taken it apart, put it back together. The engine works. I say the engine, the motor. Um, and the belt spins freely. But when you combine the two back together, everything seizes up. So might have I mean, thrown a bearing or something. or Yeah, it, it, it runs really nice, you know, just when the, the motor's not on it. Yeah, it's right. smooth. And then uh, the motor itself runs perfectly fine we actually took it apart the centrifugal uh, switch had some carbon on it so we cleaned that out but otherwise uh, so and uh, my air compressor sits on a little lofty thing I built about two and a half meters up and um, it weighs it's so bloody heavy it took four of us to get it up there so we're going to have to get like a block on tackle or something and try and winch it down so we can uh, work on it sometime over the next week. Yeah. Um, so that is pretty much my week. I've been doing a lot of painting. Otherwise, my my um, assistant had a couple of days off. So I had to do a bunch of his work as well. So that was fun. Yeah. Good. Must yeah. love that. Yeah. Cool. What have you been um, doing other than sorting out new work, which sounded pretty nice? Yeah. Uh, so, not a huge amount. So, this week's been uh, not a good starter for me. So, not won't get into it, but I just haven't had that much uh, motivation to be in the shop. And with no real deadlines, it's just 
things are going slowly. So I have done some more work on that bookshelf that was mentioned in the last week's episode, but delivery of that's not until the 8th. So I'm kind of hesitant to actually put it all together in its final size and take up all that space and risk bumping into it or knocking stuff into it. That's uh, a gum one. Yeah, that's the blue gum one. Blue gum. Um, so it's just kind of sitting there as flat pack, ready to be put together. Um, but I haven't really had the need to do it yet or the desire. So um, that <laughs> is that. Um, I saw on your Instagram, perhaps, maybe a lamp thing. Yes. That looked interesting. What's going on there? Um, so I am, so as I've mentioned in quite a few episodes, I've got a new laser cutter on its way to me, which is a monster um, one. And I am working on projects for that. So uh, all week I've been learning how to work with the Fusion 360 features that make all this stuff easy. Um, but basically I am just making lamps and shades which go along with these really nice German Erco fittings. I think they're German. Uh, and that is so as soon as my new laser gets here, I can start pumping out these projects and hopefully generating, you know, something at so least. So what, what was that? that you, it looked like that picture that yeah. it was made of like round stock or dowel or something. Yeah, so the uh, the actual lamp, so the floor standing one, which I'm trying to design now, not 100% happy with it, um, but it's a bent lamination mm-hmm. is what I'm thinking for the main shaft with a cool bent lamination kind of half lap joint in it. And then with that um, going on and then within the lamination, I'll have a void for the cable to run down and basically then attach the lampshade to it. Um, the there is a few legalities that I'm not like I have mm. to research because the components that I'm using are all uh, whatever it is ASA approved I think is what it's referred yeah. to over here um, and I'm not doing any of the wiring so does that mean that my product has to be approved with the same people or um, does that not apply because so, but I mean, I've my sister's a lighting designer, so mm. like she's probably a good resource to ask about this stuff. Over like, here, like, you would like apart from the electrical work having to be certified somehow. If you were going to sell this as a product at a shop, yeah, um, it would also have to, I believe, it would have to have some kind of flammable risk assessment type thing. To yeah, say that it's right. not like it's not combustible in itself if it got too hot, if if they used a, some oddball light bulb that or overloaded the system or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's not just going to combust at like twenty degrees or something. Right. And so that could be to do with finish. I'm not entirely sure, but that would be worth. I mean, as yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's kind of different if you if if someone were to just to order one a client. Yeah. Um, you would do those checks presumably but you wouldn't have to probably go through the same channels no and like uh the actual just for the pendant light for itself that can be sold as a kit as just the pendant light and it uses a standard fitting that any electrician can install Mm. um so the materials that are used have obviously got to meet the requirements of not being you know spontaneously combustible or whatever 
Um, and I think they're fine. It's just the products that you're selling complete with electrical that mm. big like question mark to it. Because I have got test and tag uh, certification from my theater work and, oh, okay. and plugs and tails. So I can do all of it. I was going to say that it, as long as it was tagged by Sparky, then it, surely that's fine. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's just a few of those little small details I have to iron out before I get into it. But, you know, the design itself is cool and I'm sure it won't be hard to to get that certified. Hmm. Um, and yeah, basically I've got like four or five different designs of them that I've done now, which I'm just kind of learning how and using my smaller laser now to kind of test cut and learn what I'm doing wrong with tolerances and all that sort of stuff. What's so, your thoughts for the bent lamp part? Are you going to do, like, will you just make up a, so you don't have a CNC, I was going to say, will you CNC a mold up or something that can, so you can, it can be repeatable or? Yeah, so I'll, I'll do the mold. Uh, just I'll cut it myself, obviously, because I haven't yeah. got a CNC that big. And then I've got a full vacuum bagging set up. Oh, yeah, so cool. I'll just make it a one-sided mold, which can yeah. slip inside that vacuum bag. And um, I'd probably actually make it a lot wider than just one at a time because they're only like 50 yeah, mil right. diameter or 60 mil diameter. So I'd make it maybe 150, 180 mil wide blank and then just yeah, cut cool. it down the middle. And cool. then can make two out of one bagging. Interesting. Yep. Uh, what else have I been doing? There's that. I uh, already touched on the job that I got over the weekend, which was the dining table and stools and bench seats and all that, which did is awesome. To, did you want to touch on the visitor you had just before the podcast? Oh, yes, I should actually because that's kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, I was saying just before we went live to Joey that I had the original tenant of this complex, uh, this unit in this complex 45 years ago uh, pop in and say hello um, for old time's sake kind of thing. And he, we got chatting and he turned out to be a toolmaker by trade. Um, but when he was in this unit, he was building a boat, a massive, well, not massive, a 32-foot uh, boat in this unit, which I don't know how it really fit because the door is so small, but he did. Uh, but when I took him out to show him my latest acquisition, which is the vintage Lang Lays, um, we got talking and saying, oh, this is missing. And it's a, it's a shame because it came with the, the threading box, but the half nut assembly is missing. And the, the manufacturer over in the UK that can re reproduce parts of this, this is too old, blah, blah, blah. And he kind of just stopped me in my tracks and said, look, I've got a perfectly restored uh, lathe, which is about this capacity, but nowhere near this heavy, um, which I restored about five years ago. And you can, you know, come come down to my workshop and have a look, well, my shed, and have a look. And if you want it, you can have it for 400 bucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, so nice. it's like, I'm starting to get a collection of lathes. So I'm going to go down and pop in tomorrow. But from what he's saying, <laughs> it's a complete lay that comes with a couple of face plates and, and chucks. It's got a tail stock, which is nice. Mm. I have doesn't. Uh, it can do threading. It's got all the gears changed out for different threading pitch and all that. And basically, what he's saying is that it's been restored and it has very little backlash and blah, blah, blah. And it's basically just plug in and go. So I'll go have a look. Um, because I already have got $450 set aside for a replacement drill press, which 
you know, I'm happy to wait. I can actually save $50 and get layers yeah. and just wait for a little longer. So, yeah, it was really – um, Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens tomorrow, but it's – Just stack them on top of each other or something. Yeah, exactly. Or I'll just um, I'll just put it in my new showroom. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah nice clean space. Yes. Yeah. So here's the uh, dining table that you ordered. Ignore the layers. But um, – I don't know. What else? I think that's about it, really. Okay. It's not been much this week. So, All right. Cool. So, I thought that this week we could talk about um, any jobs that we have got planned, like kind of dream jobby type things where you've got a lot of inspiration and you want to get this thing made, but for whatever reason, either money or, or no, what it, what it, I don't know what it could be. It hasn't happened yet. Um, I've got two things and actually one of them I've just started. <laughs> so, um, I'm kind of breaking my own rules, but, um, so I put on discord, the discord chat that we have, um, uh, for the podcast, um, a picture of a, a Lego playing area box thing that I'm going to make for my son. Um, well, I've started making it. And I've just posted actually something on Instagram, a little shot of it. Um, and it's, it's interesting. It's one of those things where this this job in particular, I hadn't been thinking about for a long time, but um, it's when a, a job crops up and it, it just goes straight to the front of the queue as far as um, your... Um, your drive to, to get it done. <clears throat> you know, sometimes you might have three, four jobs on and but one of them you're just way more excited about. And so you kind of put all your attention on that and, instead of probably the ones that you should be working on. Yeah. And yeah, this one is like that for me. And I'm kind of, I've got like four, three or four weeks to get this done. Um, and I'm like, smashing through it and i'm actually trying to slow myself down a little bit because i'm like what am i going to do when this is finished where's it going to go it's just going to sit around in the in the workshop um, dusty. and and that person who is for will see it and then what do i do so i'm like i'm not sure exactly what i'm going to do with it but um so that so, yeah so that's kind of my idea of like that drive when it, when a job just comes pops up and you just get really excited about it and you just, you just got to do that one. Um, so the long term, uh, idea I've had, I came up with this idea in right around Christmas time because we just moved into this house and it was really hot and we're like, we need an outdoor table, but we also need shade and, um, we're not going to put like a permanent roof type thing over our deck because we um, it's going to block too much light coming into the rest of the house, blah, blah, blah. So we're going to have, we need some kind of shade over our table. So I came up with an idea. I've made quite elaborate drawings actually. Um, so I'm going to build a table where, where one of the legs, so let's say this maybe is going to be two meters by a meter wide. Um, 
but one of the legs is going to be a fairly substantial beam that carries on through the tabletop up to say two meters tall or something and then from there uh like a pergola will hang over the the table itself off oh, right, yeah. off the actual table like a cantilevered yeah roof sort of thing yeah so my idea is to have uh from from that corner leg a beam will then run diagonally across from from corner to corner and then a roof will kind of everything will be cantilevered by half kind of hanging off this this one beam um and it's taking quite a lot of drawing to get it there but um one of the so i'm gonna i want to make it out of iroko um, mm. mainly because i had a big chunk of it left over from that um outdoor sofa i made a while ago uh and two uh, a neighbor of mine just dropped off a whole bunch of iroko that was an old bar top and he and i i bought it off him for like 200 bucks so I've, I've almost got enough timber to actually start making this thing i'll probably just need to buy another couple of pieces um mm. what i've found though with iroko is when the end sits in the sun it likes to check even if it's well dry it will check about 50 mil up the board because i've had a stack of it sitting some of it in the sun and it's just started checking um so i was at my local library the other day and i noticed they had a whole bunch of cedar boards as a kind of pergola and they had little copper caps over the top over the ends of every one of these boards these are like 70 by 70 planks of cedar hmm. oh, i'm not sure if that's me Okay, Joey, you are having some problems. Um, okay, maybe we'll just give it a few seconds and see if you restore. Can you? All right. Uh, well, while we wait for Joey's connection to stabilize, can everyone still hear me in the chat? Am I still clear? I'm going to assume I am. Can you hear me, George? Okay. Yep, you're coming back. Okay. I didn't do. Well, no, you're not there. I'll try and get a new one, Bo. All right. I'll go All away right. and come back. Okay. Enjoy. All right. Uh, while we're waiting for Joey, uh, let's talk about a. Wow, this is weird. Just talking to everyone myself. Um, what was my dream kind of project is what I should be talking about. And that is a low back chair. Um, so when I finished my TAFE course, um, which was in furniture design, I designed and built a prototype low back chair. The issue with that though was that I built it out of pine and I never got the geometry quite right. Um, and for that, I thought 
you know, that's something that I will be easily easily be able to remake, but I never did. Um, so that would be my project. Uh, I am. I have a lot of things in the chat, and I'm getting distracted. Sorry for my trade of thought. Joey, are you back? I'm back, apparently. <laughs> okay, cool. What they miss? <laughs> uh, you missed me trying to ramble on. <laughs> you should have just started reading the phone book or something. I know, right? Robin goes for one episode and it all goes to hell. That's all right. He can edit this out, can he? Oh, I hope so. Good. All right. Okay. So we were kind of on about? the copper caps was okay. where it kind of stopped coming. Smooth. So there's copper caps on the end of all these pieces. Presumably, it just looks cool. Well, it does look cool, but um, it's going to actually help with the checking, I think. So... Um, my question is, just two questions. Um, uh, would do you think that having a copper cap over the end of a piece of wood that wants to check, um, do you think it's actually going to help prevent that? I mean, it's presumably it's still going to heat up in there, but um, so that's could, maybe if you made it like a shrink fit instead of just a loose thing that you epoxy on. If you do, you have like a butane or a map gas cylinder or something yeah. in the workshop. like if you just heated it up not to the point where it starts to go green because that's ugly on copper but heat it up um and then have it on there so it shrinks onto the actual post that could prevent it because then it's actually a compression uh, I see. Joint. um yeah. so you'd have to have it that'd be pretty tight so that would come into the next question is that um uh how do you make them? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know what materials they're available in, but Medallia Steel over here, I don't know if you have a similar, but it's like a steel merchant in Australia. Uh, they do um, all the capping for pergolas and stuff in various sizes. So maybe someone like that could have an equivalent. But, yeah, how would you make it? Um I, I, my my first plan was to like stamp it out like they, they used to make old pots. Oh, yeah. You just have like a die and and a a big ram kind of. And but I imagine using thin gauge copper would probably end up tearing actually. Um, yeah, you'd need to anneal it quite a lot before you attempted stamping it. So then I thought you could just kind of cut a square out, cut the corners and just bend it bend it on the actual piece of timber itself around the end of the, the timber and um, like solder up the corners. Yeah, you could braise it together, no worries. That wouldn't be too hard. My question then is, um, oh, yeah, rivets. That's a good idea. Uh, if you brazed it or soldered it, can you sand that? So, because... Usually when I've seen brazing or soldering, it leaves a quite a lump, like just a bit like a weld. Yeah, you can you can grind them off. Uh, the only thing you've got to be Are careful with... Are you grinding that everything away, though? Like, yeah, that's that's the thing. You've got to kind of do a scarf joint with it and use the correct mm. flux so that it does flow into it. Um, but no, you can you can definitely braze, uh, braze, then grind, then buff, and you won't see it. Or you, if you see any, it's like a hairline of the the solder that you use or the the brazing mm. rod that you use. Um, 
Yeah, it's interesting. I'm not so there was a question or a comment just before about um, wouldn't having moisture in the timber stop stop it from checking, and yeah, for a couple of reasons, I actually was really surprised that I saw some checking in this timber. And in actual fact, that um, outdoor sofa I built, they talked to me about having some checking um, a little while ago, and. I was a bit surprised. I saw it, and then when I saw it in the pieces that I had laying around in the workshop, so their pieces outside in the moisture, and when and when it when the sun hit it and it just heated up super hot, that's when the end checked. And like I say, it stops about fifty mil in, but it's like, and it's a really oily timber. So I wonder if it has something to do with it as well that. It just is drying out. The oil is just drying out too much. Yeah, right or, at the end. or maybe because it is so waxy when you put your finish on, it didn't actually absorb mm. deep, deeply. Yeah, um, maybe you had to thin that thin finish way more to get that. Well, I, that's why I use teak oil um, to actually get in there, and um, so the thinners and the teak oils meant to get through the natural oils of the timber. But yeah. Um, but that's why I thought, well, if I capped all this, all these pieces on this table contraption, um, am I just making a lot of work for no reason? <laughs> or, uh, I mean, I mean it's I, definitely going to look cool. I think it would still check um, no matter what, but it might check, it might limit how far it yeah. can spread because it will want to, it will want to stem from Keep the end it. anyway. Yeah. Like, you know how... Um, on on I can't I don't know the actual term but it's on boats on the you know the sticky uppy bit on the hull on the yeah. boats and they often have like that metal cap uh, the copper or whatever it is brass caps kind of hammered onto them yeah right like I don't I don't know if that's the reason they do it or if it's just a tradition but you know a lot of those wooden boats have got that metal capping on it. I like the idea of um, who said uh, Gareth said about using the rivets because if you used quite long rivets, you could kind of rivet it to the timber, like not just rivet the the, the sheet metal together. Yeah, at least hold it but as a holding pin anyway. Yeah, yeah, it would kind of stop it from flying off at least. Because um, yeah, you could you could um, you could just wrap a band. Around, so you, you you know you fasten one end, wrap the band around really tight, and then rivet that together, cut it, and then you're, you're doing banding instead of capping, but it's doing the same compression on the grain, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if you did it that way and then folded it over the end on all four sides. Oh, yeah. It'd be like a reverse cap, and then you could put a rivet in the end. I don't know if that would look very good or not. Just maybe a moisture trap if you're not. Yeah, careful. that's true. Yeah. yeah, but that's also what I'm wondering is if you put caps on all these bits of wood, are they just going to be little cups of water themselves? Yeah, it's probably doesn't matter with oily wood, but hmm. Yeah, I'm I don't know. Sure. It's a tricky so, one. Yeah. Um, so I've got, yeah, that's a, kind of annoying me because I've got this big grand idea for this awesome giant table and roof. <laughs> and uh, I'm not, I'm kind of stuck if, if I should carry on with my idea at this point. 
What about that impregnating, impregnating epoxy stuff, that ultra-thin? Right, yeah. Like you could just, you know, seal it up as good as you can with the epoxy. Hmm, just on the end grain. Yeah. It's yeah. actually not silly. Because, I mean, that's what, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Matt Cremona, I think, did with his outdoor table with that thin epoxy. So that could be one did option. He, did, did he epoxy it first and then use the epiphanes? I thought he did. It might have been the. Okay. It may have been the wood whisperer, but one of them right. definitely did a thin epoxy on it. Um, and it seemed. I'm actually good. really impressed at the way his table has lasted. I just saw him a video of him um, washing it off, it or washing it, washing it off, and it, it looks mint. Yeah, I, I was one of the cynical few that said, "Ah, oh, you're going to yeah. regret doing that. It's going to last you one season." Yeah, it's um, good. So it'd be interesting to see if he gets any lifting on, you know. It just takes one little piece of a film finish to, to have a wee yeah, chip, that chip it, and then it just it just just goes the whole yeah. thing. Um, yeah, marine grade varnish though the epiphane isn't it that he used? I think. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. They're quite expensive, from what they say. Um, mm. Have you got any jobs that you've been plotting and planning? Yeah, so I was saying really, really badly while you were leaving and joining the room again that when I was studying design, furniture design, I designed and constructed the prototype of a low-back chair, which mm-hmm. I never got further than the prototype stages and always intended to. Um, and, you know, it's nothing, like, it's not overly complicated, but it is a nice proportionate chair and you can really kind of sink into it if you want to or you can use it as a study chair at a low coffee table so right like to me the prototype was really good and comfortable but once i left um you know once i finished my course i never kind of got around to doing it again so what i really like it's something i've wanted to do basically since i started doing this as my job not even my full time but you know taking on commissions was to remake that chair and change a few things like the um the backrest instead of it being upholstered i want to make that a solid um you know a solid carved board and do some some different joinery techniques because when i did that the so the the rear leg and backrest is one piece of timber which is carved out and then the front leg joins into the rails and i want to change the joinery i'm using there um, to go from the Dow construction that we did with a prototype and to actually make it uh, like sliding, sliding dovetail for the, um, the the braces and all that. So I, I just want to kind of up the, the classiness have you, of it. Have you still got the... Um, the prototype? The prototype and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I do, and I still have the original templates as well. Oh, wow. Well, so Wait, was, go ahead. So it wouldn't be a massive stretch to lay out new templates and like you've got all all the proportions essentially done Um, yeah it would be very little work um the the things that are tricky is that the um so the rear leg which transitions into the backrest i want to i want to kind of introduce a curve to it so that they're not angled into each other at 10 or 12 degrees whatever it is but uh so that the top is actually twisted around so that they are parallel to one another and not mm-hmm. facing in. And that would mean that 
slotting in the backrest would be easier, but I could also make the wood blank deeper so I could carve more away and have more relief. And then maybe even have on that a very low firm um, foam cushion that doesn't wrap the whole thing, but is actually ad adhered to the, the backrest. Do you, you, do you do you do your own upholstery? I do. I, well, I mix and match. So okay. usually I do, but if it's a thing that really matters, I have an upholstery yeah. <laughs> down the road. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I've got a know. local upholsterer, but they, they're kind of um, in the same game we are. Um, right. That um, So they're doing all one-off stuff commercially and it's just way too expensive to get them to do like a one-off piece for me to then sell to a client. Yeah. Um, so I actually find it difficult to get upholstery, decent upholstery prices. But the, um, the like a really reasonable place here is foam sales or something is what they call them. They're actually just a foam shop, but they offer pre, like you tell them the size, they'll cut the foam and, and cover it for you. Right. And I, I didn't think that would be all that good over here. Like, you know, I thought oh, that would be cheap, not high-end uh, upholstery work. But I actually got them to do some things, and it came out really nice, like better than anything I could do. That's for sure. So, was yeah. it like an online order type thing? Uh, no, they're a physical shop. Um, I think they're a bit. They're a chain, uh, from memory, maybe. But yeah, they they do it, but it doesn't feel like getting upholstery done when it's just cushions. It's just you know, size yeah, cushions. I suppose. Like with this one, the base is actually a wrapped wrap around uh, and tacked upholstery over a wooden frame, and then right. you know you do the webbing and everything on it. So it's it does have to be finished quite nicely for it to look acceptable. Would be a yeah. word. If um, it it's something that I have never learned how to do, and I don't even know where to start. Is making a a frame for a, a mostly upholstered seat or sofa. Like it's like with, weird with the webbing shape. and all that or no like just for the timber frame. Like like what shape does the frame have to be and how much allowance do you make for the sponge to be pulled mm. and curved and bent this way and that way. And and especially with the older styles like where you have pieces of timber and the armrest exposed. And it's like what shape is the rest of that piece of wood that adjoins the frame but you leave that little part sticking out like I've, I've no clue how that works and I would really like to uh, investigate that yeah I would love some actual real like industry knowledge on it because mm. I you know I've always just kind of gone with what feels right but there's so many techniques that I don't even know like you can do it's like a tack strip that you fold into the fabric that you're overlaying and then you hammer the yeah. fabric directly yeah. into the rail yeah and that's what i tried on this prototype and it came out okay yeah but you can see where it's kind of bunched up or the fabric's not stretched evenly and there's like a little bit of a tight section here and this section's a little bit too loose and then this section's just right i've always assumed that they have like a rebate in the timber frame that the upholstery is tacked into. So you end up with the almost flush transition between um, fabric and timber. If you, if you're having an exposed piece, yeah, like that's what it seems like is happening, but I, I 
still I, I haven't worked it out <laughs> no and and the thing like i've asked a few people at the wooden craft show here in perth who are selling the upholstery suppliers about that and they've never really given me a clear answer they, right you know those, it seems like an older school uh, skill set as well i think yeah yeah for sure um, but um yeah okay. i think that is uh, done there, yeah. All right. Let's hammer through this. We're a little bit early, but we will go on to uh, what we have been watching. Unless anybody's got some questions, we can jump onto that. But we can talk about what we've been watching as well. I usually go first, so I might as well go first again. Um, I didn't actually watch this video because I listened to it on the podcast. Um, so it was Adam Savage's Make a Fair Sunday Sermon. Um, and this year, they didn't call it on the Tested uh, channel. They didn't call it Sunday Sermon. They just called it like Adam Savage's talk at uh, Make a Fair, which is odd because Make a Fair now officially calls it his Sunday Sermon. Uh, so who knows? Maybe a... Um, but yeah, anyway, on the tested uh, podcast, still untitled, um, they actually played this 15 minute talk at the end of their podcast. So it's a live recording, and I just didn't even know it was on there. Just listened to it after um, after the podcast finished. Um, super awesome! Uh, like he's such a the guy is so passionate about what he does, and it ends up being quite a very deep talk about um why what how why we make and what it means um but a really tangible takeaway thing that i got from this speech was and he just said it in passing but i thought especially george for you and me um he said whenever he makes anything like a one-off piece he always makes two of them uh, that way he has one to do what he wants with. And then the other one, he either sells or gives away to a friend. And it just got me thinking like, yes, okay, for some things we can't just straight up make two whatever giant bookcases or whatever it is. Mm. But especially for things like freestanding furniture, tables come to mind, especially when you're setting up machinery and stuff um, for a one-off piece, it takes no extra time to run an extra piece of wood through that machine. So, apart from the outlay of buying some extra materials to make whatever it is, it seems like a really good idea to, seeing as you're being paid for that time by the client, why not, why not make another one of those things and sell it off, even if you sell it a lot cheaper than what you, what you sold it to the client for, as long as you're making money more than the, uh, than the materials it seems like it should be worthwhile to me. I think it would depend on the situation because like, I, I have considered that. Um, but the issue I would have is if you make it and it's not for someone, it's no guarantee that anyone's going to buy it for one. So you may be stuck with it for ages. But then if you sell it cheaper than what the original client you know, paid and they find out, it could come and have a negative effect on you. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I like the idea, especially with small things, but if it was, yeah. you know, a table or a bookshelf or something like that. Yeah, it, it, it seems... gets a bit tricky, especially yeah. that you have to store it until and, it sells. And if it's a custom-made piece, 
um, yeah. specific to that home or whatever. It's like it's a little bit risky, but I do, especially on uh, things like uh, my mirrors or you know this lamp that I'm making in the future or something like that. Yeah, like totally, I'd make multiples of those because. Well, it's a design which should sell, and if it doesn't sell, it doesn't take mm. up too much space anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some. Um, there would be some like guidelines or kind of um, limitations about what works. Um, anything that's a generic type piece of furniture would be fine, uh, and anything that is mainly machine made. I mean, there's no point making two sets of drawers if they're all hand cut dovetails because yeah. <laughs> you're just killing yourself with time yeah. like that's not affordable but um if it's something you can just run through the table saw and throw some dominoes in and you've got a box then you might as well make two of them um, yeah so anyway that was my pick i thought it was really worthwhile cool. little piece of information yeah uh, mine this week, uh, I'm all about the lathes as I'm undergoing a lathe restoration project again. Uh, and I found a cool channel called Maker Size. Uh, the project I found him on was for him making his own metal lathes. Uh, and I don't mean just welding a few bits of steel together, but he actually took, he made a foundry so he could melt his own aluminium and then do his own sand castings and pour each component and then he like hand scraped those components into flatness and then once he got to a certain stage in the lathe he was able to make a like a temporary spindle and start using the lathe that he's building to start surfacing the parts which are making the lathe and it's just like the amount of work that goes went into this project is insane and yet all the videos i think there's like maybe 12 or something are short enough to be not dragging on they're entertaining and it's just cool like I, hey, I, was it? what's his name uh maker size is his channel okay uh, he's got a new project on the go now which is he's he's making his own metal shaper in the same fashion so he's you okay. know casting his own things but like through it are heaps of really cool techniques and tips which you just kind of learn from his old school books. Like right. he's, he's building these from a reference and then these old school ways of thinking before computers were even a thing are the ways that it's teaching him to machine these things. So super cool channel, really entertaining. Um, obviously, it's not woodworking, but he does good <laughs> woodworking on his channel. So very cool to watch. Okay, there is one question here we could kill a couple of minutes with. Look, so who was it? Gareth, um, how long did it take from business startup to feeling confident and making money? Hmm. Um, That's a good question. When I'm, not I sure that I feel entirely, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that I feel entirely confident. Um, it depends on which day you ask me. Sometimes yeah, I was... Right, and sometimes it feels like it's... It definitely fluctuates. Um, yeah. So I would say the first, well, I, 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 people seem to say that the first five years is, is the make or break in a business. And if you're mm. going to fail, you're going to fail in the first five years. Um, and I guess that's true. But also, if you're just stupid and persistent, perhaps like myself, um, maybe you should have stopped a long time ago, but mm. you just keep struggling through because you like what you're doing and you're Try and you almost make enough money. Um, yeah. 
uh, I would say the first year for me, like there was just a lot of growth. There was a lot of new inquiries and that felt really good getting constant new kind of inquiries come in. Um, but once you get used to that kind of that flow of work, um, yeah, then then there's, and I'm sure we've talked about this before, there's that whole, you know, am I actually making money or, is, or am I just kind of making more work for myself? Um, and that is still a, a question to be had and answered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, this is only really my second year of full-time trading. Um, so I'm, I'm, I claim this is my second year of, you know, business because with a rebrand and all that crap. But in reality, I've been doing it for four or five. And I mean, I'm at the stage where my business is generating income, which is really good for second year full time. Um, a lot of people don't make any money in the first couple of years at all. In fact, most people lose money. And as far as my business goes, I'm in a good position if I would just stop, you know, buying crap that I don't need I might have actually had some money in my bank account but because you know it might my business is making money but I'm not um necessarily like you know I'm staying afloat and all that yeah yeah and you know one month is really great and then the next month like this one is a bit quiet and that's really disheartening and it's like oh maybe I should just go get a sec like a job for a few (laughs) days a week and then fall back to making this part-time but then you get a customer walk in or an email come into your inbox that's right yeah and instantly you go from this defeated feel to um you know all right you know what i'm doing is actually working and yeah and also there's you often well i say often it tends to happen when you're right at that point where you're like oh man maybe if i got a job two days a week somewhere else mm. and then you get an email that and you're like oh my god if if i had that that two day a week job i'd never be able to take on this giant job that just came in the door yeah exactly uh, and, and so like, yeah the places that you would want to work as well yeah. Uh, not really. Like, it's either your competition or it would take yeah. away, they wouldn't accept for two days a week or That's something. Right. Like that. So yeah. it's a hard perspective. But, like, for me, the first year of trading, uh, I, just for reference, I think I was 12 grand in the negative. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, that was after setting up, doing workshop move, doing heaps of transport, getting everything kind of worked out, and that included a, a car purchase. Um, but then I made that up this financial year, and I'm in the positive, but because of personal situations with, like, personal finance from when I was, you know, working full-time for a touring company and all that, uh, I didn't have $35,000 to pay out that loan, so I've still got that debt, and I've still got a bit of the credit card debt. So... While business is like there, it doesn't feel like it for yeah. me because of my prior, you know, right. um, concessions or whatever you want to call it. So it's easy to get disheartened with it. But really, two years is my my thing before it starts swinging well. Okay. All right. Well, um, we will call it there. I think for the evening. Yeah. So. Um, Thanks to everybody who is watching and listening. We will be back the same time next week. Um, hopefully, Robin will be back to steer the ship 
away from the rocks. And to uh, save us. Yeah. So uh, until then, everybody have a good week and see you later.